0: When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on, on Oilers on Radio Oilers. 630 Chat.
1: Fowler glided in, but Letestu swiped it and cleared the zone. Casket poked the free. Back hitter, score off the rush, top right corner. Edmondson, what a play by Zach Cassian. The speed to reel in that puck and the backhand finish, and he is getting mobbed on the Oiler bench for Cassian, who turned 26 yesterday. It's his fourth and a perfectly placed
2: backhander. At a perfect time, a spectacular goal by Zach Cassian at 1944 of the second period. Put the Oilers up 3-0, and they go on to beat the Anaheim Ducks 4-0. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 1057 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. From the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, we wondered how the Oilers would handle these back-to-back games in California. Well, part one goes extremely well. Cam Talbot, Talbot, more solid goaltending. He makes 26 saves. It's his fourth shutout of the season. And, uh, you know, Rob, we can probably put this on a short list as we reach the 50-game point of the year on the short list for most impressive victory of the season for the Oilers.
3: Well, when you throw in the, the importance of the game... Uh, the Oilers knew that they were going to California against the two teams they're chasing in the standings. They're playing two teams that are playing very well. Anaheim and San Jose have been on fire as of late. Anaheim is, is fairly healthy, so they got them at a time that they were ready for the Oilers. And outside of the first 10, 11 minutes of the game, where they, they were the better team, and Talbot came up with the big saves. The Oilers got better as the game went on. They had good goaltending, timely goal scoring. And... Uh, and it was a game that, as it progressed, you're like, you know what? They are going to win this. This is going to be a victory. And it turned into, be scoreboard-wise, a resounding victory. But it was still a close game where the Oilers made the right decisions, got their opportunities, and take took full advantage of them.
2: And the, the first period, I, I, the, I thought the Ducks were the better team. I wouldn't say by a wide margin, but they had the two best scoring chances. Uh, with about 10:55 left, Nick Ritchie gets a chance with about 10 and a half left. So those were close together. Vermette got a really good chance in front, and, and Talbot makes the saves. And you're not going to the dressing room down one or two nothing. You're not thinking, "Oh, great, the first period's half over, and you're already a, a goal behind." Just the the value of what Talbot has been to this team this season. We we talk about it almost every night. But his play is a story almost every night.
3: Well, it's the consistency. It, it just each and every night he gives you the solid game. And when you play against Anaheim, and I know that when you think of the Ducks, you think, think of Getzlaff, you think of Perry, uh, Kessler, but the Ducks don't win with offense. They win with shutting you down defensively. And we've seen in the past the Ducks will get a goal in the first period, they'll go up one nothing and then completely shut down the Oilers. Frustrate them, not give them any chances. At the end of the night they one it'll be a one-nothing then victory or a two-nothing victory. Well, Cam Talbot denied that tonight. They, the Ducks got their two big breaks. They got the one on a 2-on-1, big save. They got the one back door open net. He gets across on that one too. And that gives you your bench belief. And all of a sudden you are sitting on the bench goes, "Well, we've just taken their best shot and look at the saves our goalie has given us." Things are going to start turning our way. And when you get those opportunities and you don't score, the Anaheim bench, it it deflates a little bit. And then the bounce finally goes the other's way and they score. So uh, it, it was a good night for the Edmonton Oilers, and it started with solid goaltending in the first 10 to 15 minutes by Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot, the
2: first star tonight. These stars selected. So, what, what? Just to tell you, what Rob and I, and sometimes the ones they give on TV are different. But Rob and I print the NHL game sheet, and that's what we use for the three stars we tell you. And it, it, there's a little box in the corner. It says three stars by, and it tells you who picked them. Tonight, it doesn't even say who picked them. Cam Talbot's the first star. Cam Fowler. A defenseman on the team that got shut out is the second star, and Leon Dreisettle is the third star. So that gives us an even extra option uh, for the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates.
3: Well, y- y- you don't see it often when your fourth line scoring a highlight real goal. But Zach Cassian did tonight. And uh, five games in a row, Zach Cassian on your fourth line getting no power play time. Has gotten a point. So, my four star of the game, Zach Cassian, one goal plus one in a very strong game for he and his fourth line line mates.
2: Yeah, got to agree with that. Leon Drysaitle scores twice. He's up to 19 on the season. That now leads the team in goal scoring. Connor McDavid gets his 41st assist and 57th point of the year. So, Cassian, Drysaitle, and McDavid all on five game point streaks. Ryan Nugent Hopkins with a goal for the second straight game, his 11th of the season. Both teams tonight were uh, 0 for 2 on the Power Play. You can reach us at 780-496-0063 You can text 630-630 We'll get post-game reaction to you as soon as it comes in. Rob, I just want to go through some numbers here. In January the Oilers are now 8-3-1 Since December 1st they're 15-5-6 Against the Western Conference this year, they're 18-5-6 And they now have 62 points on the season in 50 games played, three times during the so-called decade of darkness, <laughs> they finished an entire season with 62 points in 09, 10, 10, 11, and in 14, 15.
3: Well, it shows you how far we've come. Uh, the The Oilers have done some good things since Peter Shirelli has taken over. It, it all started by luck. They get Connor McDavid, and then once you got him, you've got something to build around. And he went out and he said, I've got to build a team that can win in the Western Conference. we got to be bigger, we've got to be stronger, we got to be tougher. I need guys that are good leaders, guys that have been there before, and, and that can change our dressing room, change our culture. And he went out and got players of that ilk. Lucic, Maroon, uh, Russell, Larson. And, and this team is now, and obviously the record shows, they compete against the best in the West. You know, you'll, you can worry about the Eastern Conference if you ever get to the Stanley Cup Finals, but right. you've got to go through three hard, grueling rounds to get out of the West. And the others are now built to play in those games. And the biggest acquisition is probably what they have in net. And, and I've said it before on the show that... If I'm picking an MVP for the Edmonton Oilers this season, we have the best player in the world possibly in Connor McDavid. If he's not the best, he's in the top 2. Right. But the MVP of the Edmonton Oilers is Cam Talbot. You can you you'd be able to survive a few games without Connor. You're not going to survive without Cam Talbot. So having him play 90 or 80 or whatever percent of the games that means they've got a legitimate chance to win each and every one of those games because he has just been rock solid.
2: 4 nothing, the Oilers take down the Ducks tonight if you're on hold we are going to get to the open line right away but here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan
4: Did he help maybe settle you guys down a little bit by making a couple key saves early?
0: Absolutely we needed him and uh, thought he was very sharp the rest that he's had over the last little bit um, looks like it's been good for him and made some really tough saves uh, to allow us to get into the game. We weren't on our toes to begin with, but uh, that's what good goaltending does, and uh, he certainly provided it tonight. Zach Cassian's on a little bit of a stretch here where
4: he's been able to get some points, and he comes up with a big goal there in the second. What can you say about that?
0: Yeah, the timing of it was uh, important, too. it. had a little, a little extra momentum going into the break, but uh, when he uses his legs and uh, gets in on the forecheck, he can be dangerous, so um, he outskated a couple guys and made a real smart play to poke the puck so we're uh, again we're happy for him when he scores the bench uh, really takes a lot of joy in it. When the
5: first goal when Leon passed it to Connor and he passed it back to him what were you thinking on
0: the bench? Well I I think Connor will tell you about 21 guys were yelling shoot Uh, maybe that's why he's special because he looked to pass and um, give Leon credit because (coughs) he had to um, reel it in and find it and score in the secondary opportunity.
4: With the workload he's had so far this season,
0: fair to say you're you're glad your goalie's getting a bit of a break this weekend. Yeah, but he's, uh, you know what? They, I like goaltenders that want to play every night. And he's told me that he wants to he wants to go. He feels good. Uh, he'd love to play 82 games. So uh, we just came off a three day break. Uh, he didn't play in Calgary the last game, so he's probably refreshed right now. Uh, we'll go to another four day break. We play th- three or four games, then have our five day break. Uh, there's no reason for for Cam to be fatigued at this point. Was so it's
2: about as complete a game after the first period as you've had in a while against a really strong opponent?
0: Um, you know, I'm trying to review our games lately. There's been so many. uh Yeah, it was it, let's face it, it was a good team game. Um, starting with the goaltender making big saves. I thought our D, when we did break down and they had some real good chances, our D cleared the second and third opportunities away. Forwards began to play the lines well, blue line at our end, blue line at their end, Uh, especially after the first period, and that helped.
2: That's Oilers head coach Todd and his team tonight, beating the Ducks 4-0, three goals in the second period, including two a minute 49 apart, one more in the third. Talbot, fourth shutout of the season. He's 25-12-7 on the year. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Cam calling in tonight. Hey, Cam.
6: Hey, guys.
5: Pretty exciting win again here tonight. Unbelievable. Hello?
2: Yeah, we're here, buddy. Go Keep going.
5: Um, I was just going to say that I agree with Rob about Camp Talbot. you know, um, I, I think we've given up probably seven or eight wins a year, uh, went seven or eight wins a season over the past three or four years, just with with goaltending not being where it needs to be. Even last year, even last year, and uh, it's unbelievable here. So just, but just the depth—that's the big thing. I know it's it's easy to get excited, but. Um, you know, the depth is there. I mean, you get guys that are chipping in and that, too. So pretty exciting times. And, and uh, wh- what do you think I was going to ask you guys, uh, Rob, I guess, too, what do you think it is? Like, why would there be the slow start and, and those breakdowns? You know, you never want to dissect the win, but, like, those those breakdowns where, you know, Talbot was left high and dry there tonight, is that just ebb and flow of a season, or is there something technically that's, that's
3: happening where uh, you'd be left out to dry like that. Well, it's, it's for Anaheim's a good hockey club. And, I mean, they're ahead they're of the Oilers in the standings. They've been playing well as of late, and some of the stats Reed was talking about earlier, it's been a team that's been on fire. They came out hard. They got their chances. And then, I mean, if you're, as we say a lot, you see the mistakes the Oilers make. You don't see the mistakes the other team makes because you're always focused on your team in Edmonton. Right now in Anaheim, someone's calling in and saying, how could the Anaheim Ducks hang out Gibson to dry on some of those plays? How could they turn the puck over where they did? Because a lot of the chances that the others got were created by bad Anaheim plays. So in a game, there's never going to be a perfect game. You're just not going to have it. There's going to be mistakes. And especially if you play against a good team they are gonna expose you on certain situations. I think you look at the whole picture, you don't look at the little breakdowns because I don't think there's a game this year the Oilers played where there weren't breakdowns at some point. And if you go and take, pick any good team in the league, pick the San Jose Sharks and go through the video of their games and every game victory they've had this year, you'll be able to go through it and see five or six breakdowns too. No coach is ever satisfied because no team has ever played a perfect game, but you've played a better game than the other team you executed better than the other team and i think that's what the others did tonight
5: the other thing i was going to say is it's and i'll let you guys go because those other callers coming but uh it's pretty pretty exciting when you have you know the best player in the world arguably or like you said top few anyways i think he's the best personally but when you have a guy that talented but when you look at the team and he just kind of blends in. I'm not minimizing what he does, but, I mean, it just, the whole team is just a smorgasbord of different types of, of parts. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. And I wanted to say, like Slepashev, um, there's something really special about him. I think he's a guy, when I look back to the glory years, those were the piece of the puzzle guys that we always had. And um, there's just something about him that I just absolutely love. Not because he got involved offensively, but I mentioned him last week even when he hadn't. And uh, I just wanted to shout him out too because uh, in closing, that's a guy that's really, really exciting to me right now.
3: Thanks, Cam. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought he had a very, very good game tonight. And I think he's getting better each and every game. And I think a lot of it is he's gaining confidence. And as for what you say uh, with Connor McDavid blending in. Uh, good teams. Good teams with great players that have success. The best players aren't always the players that win the hockey games. Last year, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup. The third line most nights, or a lot of the nights, stole the game because everyone is so focused on the best player. The best players are always going to be good, but good teams, good teams that win are teams that have someone on the second or third or fourth line do something great. And tonight we saw that out of the fourth line. Cassian gets, as Reed said earlier, it was the game-changing goal and it was their fourth line that did it for them.
2: 4-0, the Oilers take it in Anaheim. We have Nick uh, Nick up next on the phones. He's also going to finish the play with us this evening. We have more post-game reaction coming up, including from Zach Cassian. The Oilers win it again. They win it again. They are 6-0-1 in their last seven. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast (laughs) Centre.
0: Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Live. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on
1: Oilers Radio, 630 Chad by Perry out to center. It's a two-on-one. Vermette and Ritchie. Center pass. Ritchie shoots. Yay! Made by Cam Talbot with the blocker. Best scoring chance of the night. And Talbot comes up with an early denial. Cross ice. Kasha will pick it up Break right corner. Charp, wrinkle, Wrister, what a right-pad save! Made on Vermette by Cam Talbot. Brilliant work by Talbot and chipped the other way by
2: the Oilers. Ducks limited. They don't score tonight. Oilers win it 4-0. Cam Talbot 26 save shutout couple good stops there for your save of the game feature for armor insurance protect your car, home and business with armor at armorinsurance.ca thanks a lot for tuning in, it's 11.15 along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins remember we're back at it tomorrow the face off show will be at 7 game at 8.30, Oilers at the Sharks, but we'll continue rolling with your calls tonight and we have Nick on the line, hello Nick hey how's it going? doing well
7: Good. Uh, I just had a couple comments. Uh, I thought, like McDavid said before, Drysdale might be one of the most underrated players in the league. Like what he does for the team and the great chemistry he has with McDavid, I think is really overseen. And uh, unless we are an Oilers of course. But also, I had a question uh, regarding Shattenkirk. Like, I I don't think it's smart to break the bank on a player that's going to be here for, I don't know, like like four weeks or five weeks, but. Uh, like what do you think they'd have to give up if they wanted to to get him for a playoff run because he's he's made it clear he doesn't want to stay here after the playoffs but I don't think it's smart to give away too much for him
2: yeah I I, I wouldn't sell the farm for him either especially if he's a rental which he likely would be I I mean if you're St. Louis you're probably asking for the first round pick and and something else right Um, not necessarily a star but a a prospect or or a younger defenseman coming back but I mean I I think you make a good point Nick like Shirely has another month plus a few days to evaluate and if he thinks okay this team is hanging in there and might be able to do some damage why do I want to give up any sort of asset for a guy that I'm going to have like you said for a few weeks not that he's not a good player because he is but again, oh, yeah. Rob, what 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 you, would you be willing to surrender if it came to that?
3: No, I, I wouldn't be giving a first round pick for him.
2: Yeah, and the Oilers don't have a second rounder this year.
3: So yeah, and I, so yeah, I mean, you're, you're renting a player, and as Bob said earlier tonight, you, only one team wins a Stanley Cup. So everybody, and there's there was a, a stretch of four or five years where the trade deadline, everybody was giving up first round picks to get some player that would come and 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 do do nothing. More Or less, A lot of them did nothing. Or a
2: very specific... Ve- like Gostad, Bob gave as an example. That's a very specific well, job that, I mean...
3: The first-round pick for a guy to take face Yeah, And how'd that work out? The LA Kings traded a first-round pick for Andre Sacra. Did they not? I thought it was a first-round yes, pick. Yes, they did. Yeah, and Sacra got, got injured, didn't even play for them, so you just gave a first-round pick up for nothing. Shadnkirk is good, and he's going to sign somewhere in the offseason for a lot of money. I, 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 I would love for it to be the Edmonton Oilers, but, I mean, he, he's an American hockey player that's going to have his choice and his pick to go anywhere he wants. So uh, I would not be spending a whole lot to get him to come for a month, though whatever team does get him, uh, he, he's going to make a team better. He, he is that good.
7: Yeah, I, I think like they said, too, in the second intermission on Sportsnet, they uh, they said they'd be lucky to get McDavid and Dry Settle for under $16 million. Which I think would be a miracle, but honestly, like I, I don't think it's worth going after a guy like that when he's probably going to get the best career or the best contract of his career. So.
2: Yeah, well, and they're go- and the Oilers are going to have to clear cap space. I mean, I wonder if you can do a bridge deal with Drysital for a couple of years to, to buy some time with that. We'll see. I, I, I mean, but clearly those two guys are going to get paid, and they're going to be the Oilers' top two offensive players for for a long time. Nick, do you want to finish the play, buddy? that yeah, sounds good. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold so you can hear the clue. Kellen, go ahead and roll that finish the play, buddy.
1: Cogliano for a moment. He'll scoot up back behind the net, and Kessler was buried in the corner.
2: All right, Nick, I know if you're an Oilers fan, you don't mind seeing Kessler getting buried in the corner. Who hit him? Was it Russell or Kajula? Russell, I'm
7: going to say... Russell, say Russell. I think it was Russell. <laughs>
1: Cagliano for a moment. He'll scoot it back behind the net, and Kessler was buried in the corner. Big hit by Russell.
2: Well, at least didn't get the, right down the left tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Nick, stay on the line. You are in the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire experience integrity. Good stuff. All right, uh, tell you what, we're going to get back to the calls here, but Zach Cassie had, had a great goal tonight. Let's go back
8: to Anaheim and here for number 44. You guys down, didn't you? Yeah, most definitely. Our, our first period wasn't too sharp, but we wanted to clean that up and uh, Taubes held down the fort while uh, we did so. So uh, He's a big part of us winning that game and um, it, it, it's a good feeling in here. We have one more to go before the break. That means a lot to our team.
5: How important was it to get the two points out of here from the Pacific Division?
8: Yeah, they're, they're all going to be important from here on out. Uh, our division's so tight and... Uh, uh, you can't take any nights off, and um, tonight was a good example of us. Uh, we weren't great in the beginning, but we found a way to win, and our goalie played great when we needed him. And uh, we're going to need that tomorrow.
2: All right, that's Zach Cassian got a spectacular goal tonight with fifteen and a half seconds left in the second period. That you know really was a—I don't want to call it a dagger because it was still in the second period. It, it was a. Uh, the well, revelation of the dagger before Drysaitel really drove it in in the third
3: period. Well, I, I think it. No, I. I disagree. I think it was the dagger. I mean, the, the Anaheim Ducks are not a team that scores a lot. Hmm. I mean, both Kessler and Perry are having okay years, but not great years. Um, I the, if you score three on on Anaheim, you're going to win a lot of hockey games. And I think that just the, the the Anaheim Ducks were just they just got it was they were reeling they just went down two, and they're like all right let's get into the break and I'll come out in the third period we gotta have that push and all some bang quick goal third goal against and it was scored in the style it was it was like an exciting goal it was like a beautiful highlight reel goal and now all the emotion is on the Oilers side and there was a huge deflate with the Anaheim Ducks, and that's how they had to go in for the 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 end of the intermission. So, yeah, I think the the casting goal was the dagger, and that was the end of the game for the Anaheim Ducks.
2: 4 nothing, The Oilers win it. We have Greg on the line. Hey, Greg, thanks for calling. Hey, guys, how's it going? Doing well.
9: Uh, that casting goal was a beauty tonight. That was a beauty. Um, and it was nice to see him score. Um, the other thing I want to say is, um, I, I know about, like, you know, McDavid used to getting held and grabbed and clutched and all that stuff, but there was a couple of plays in the corner when uh, Kessler was, was all over him, like, had both arms around him. I don't know how that's not called. I mean, we won the game, whatever, I don't care, but, um, the other thing is, I was not expecting this type of game today. I thought it would be like a, a one nothing 2-1 game tonight, and it's nice that the Oilers came out and did this to Anaheim. Um... So you know, it, it's still all this winning is new to me. Um, so I hope it continues, and I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on 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 what to about, especially the the Cassian goal because that was a beauty.
2: Yeah, well, the casting goal was. Thanks for calling. The Cassian goal was was uh, I mean, spectacular, and 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 Rob, you know, it's such a it's such a defensive oriented league. Play on the right side of the puck. Don't take a risk. But what I liked there was it was a guy. Who recognized that? Okay, if I go and try to make a play, I I, I got coverage. I mean, he's mm-hmm. Latessus knocks it up the ice, so Cassian knows. All right, I, I, there's four guys back. He wasn't a pinching defenseman, and a guy just decided to, to, to go for it, and then you know showed he still got a little bit of skill to finish.
3: It, it, it's game management. It, it's knowing when to take risk, when you know when to, to, to play it safe, and at that point, take risk. You know, you, 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 everything, if, if it doesn't work out, big deal. They got to go the length of the ice with four of your defenders back. What was good about it was it was a, a great play that surprised the Ducks. I mean, I, don't, I think it surprised everyone. No one expected Cassian to jump past and all of a sudden he's on a breakaway. A lot of guys that aren't in that position a lot, once they make the play, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I just got by that right. guy. And then they fumble the shot. They'll put it over the net, they'll miss the net, the fire rate in the goalie's gut. He goes in, and then he makes a, a great shot, a backhand roof shot. I mean, you don't see that often. And the one thing we've seen with Cassian is when he does get breakaways, he is very good on breakaways. He's had one or two called back on on the silly offside rule where they, the, right. the, the toe's over the line. We, we saw him score, was it in the, the outdoor game where he scored a great uh, break? Outdoor game he yeah, outdoor. So he's, he is he, he's very good on breakaways. So here's a, a big, tough nasty type of hockey player that is on your fourth line that when he gets breakaways he capitalizes on. So it, it's just tomorrow we're going to see the team in San Jose that is very deep, top to bottom. Their fourth line, uh, the guy got a hat trick last time. It was Vodka had a hat trick off their fourth line. The Oilers now are deep and this is something the Oilers have not been for a decade. They've got guys in a Cassian, in a Letestu, uh they are on their fourth line that can produce and have produced at different line levels in teams before. It's going to be fun tomorrow night. I think the Oilers and the Sharks both playing at their best right now, I think it's going to be an even bigger test for what the Oilers and where they are.
2: I agree, and you make a great point about those players who have risen to the occasion. And Rob, you and I have heard, because because of what Pouliot, Eberly and Nugent and Hopkins have been through, and Lucic at mm-hmm. times this season, People said, well, the Oilers don't have secondary scoring. I have to disagree with mm-hmm. that statement because they are eighth in the NHL in goals four. The secondary scoring has come from unexpected sources, which isn't necessarily a bad thing as mm-hmm. long as you're getting it. You mentioned Cassian. Okay, he only has, uh, what, four goals on the season, but, you know, they've, they've meant something. You mentioned Latestu, Okay, you're the fourth-line center. Go on the power play and shoot the puck. That's how he's gotten about half his points, goals or assists. Just shooting the puck. Yeah, had pit like before he got Pitlick hurt. Before he before he got hurt, Clefbaum has has eight goals, so it, it has been there, and, the, and it just relates to. And again, it's it's an ongoing theme this year. They're finally a deeper team mm-hmm. that has they. I mean, look, McDavid and Drysider are going to drive the bus. They were lucky to get those guys to win the McDavid lottery, certainly. But okay, what other pieces can fill in the gaps? And, and they've been able to do that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Kevin on the line. Hello, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Doing great. Good, good, good.
6: Uh, just a couple quick things. Uh, first off, um, if we do make the playoffs, um, are we going to be looking at possibly up- get upgrading our goaltending? Now, I love LB. I follow them as an oil king. I think he's a great goalie. I don't know if he's what the Oilers, if he could carry us through the playoffs. And I'm only thinking about the 06 when Mark and got, or when. Uh, Rollison got hurt in marking and was able to step in and carry us to Game 7 of the finals. Is LB that goaltender, or would we possibly look for another goaltender? Okay,
3: Here's my question to you. How many teams in the NHL right now have a backup goaltender that can carry them throughout a playoff run? Good question. There's a there's a reason there's a starters and there's a reason that there's there's backup goaltenders. Uh, you're not if a if a team lose any pick any team in the NHL if they lose their starter there might be four teams in the NHL that have a backup that is a legitimate starting goaltender. The rest I think you're hoping. Of a couple. Yeah, like
6: Ward, yeah. Pavlik. Those guys. oh I'm not.
3: Up. I'm not sure about those ones. But well, well they, they've been sport. starters in the past. So
6: okay, yeah. I, I but they're if capable
3: they're capable of playing. Yeah, but I mean, so I. And then now, what are you going to pick up? That's yeah. So I mean, exactly. it's you're not going to you're going to be picking up someone else's backup because you're not picking up a starter. So you're picking exactly. up someone else's backup. So if he's not good enough to be a starter on that team, I mean, there's a few teams out there. A, a flurry could be moved in Pittsburgh. It's true. Oh, well, you have but, but Fleur, yeah, but you're not going to trade for Fleur. He's not going to come sit on the bench here.
6: Now, a couple of weeks ago, I put Rob on the spot and told him to try to sell me on Pouliot. <laughs> and I think uh, a couple weeks later, I, I don't know, maybe they do listen to the show because it seems like, uh, although he hasn't really scored, he's picked up his play and his intensity quite a bit over the last, you know, seven to ten days.
3: Well, that line has been much better. It, oh, much it has. Better. And it needed to be. And you you weren't going to be able to move Pouliot. So try and make a player out of him, trying to get him back to where he was. And sometimes a little honey is what works. Instead of beating him down, just give him a little honey. He's
6: he's going to score a goal or two and he's going to get it back and that's going to be it.
3: Yeah, now going forward to see the answer on your second line as a left winger, I don't think so. But right now it's working. That line has been better. And. I mean, don't, don't let's not try and fix what's not broken right now because the others are playing very good hockey.
6: And we've got depth going into the playoffs, as has as been mentioned numerous times. I mean, even looking at the farm, we have players we can call up that can fill in for a game or two if need be. Who knows if Nurse is going to be ready if we get past the first round, if Pitlick might be back if we get past the first round. Who knows?
2: Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. So, well, I don't think Pitlick would be back. This nurse should be, well... March, I think, is well, is. I mean, they well, said they what they say about twelve weeks when the surgery. I happened. mean,
3: yeah, Nurse, more so. He'll Pitlick. play. He'll play. Yeah, Pitlick. Pitlick's not gonna I mean, happen. no, my my son just had his ACL done, and I know how long it's a long recovery. So I would not expect him back. I'm hoping he'll be back and ready for next season. Uh, nurse, getting Nurse is like making a trade. Like if, if the Oilers play as well as they do, and the, and all of a sudden March fifteenth comes and. They're, they're still in the playoff race and all a sudden you get Darnell Nurse added to your lineup it's like oh we just made a trade for a quality defenseman because he's new to the team so uh, the Oilers have depth and we've seen that this year when injuries have gone down guys have stepped up and the Oilers haven't lost a beat.
2: For nothing the Oilers win it tonight. The four goals means Booster Juice is going to donate $100 to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. They give 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season Booster Juice is an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They've donated three $8,675 so far this season. Alright, we got to take a quick timeout. Trevor, Pete, Sava, Jay, Robin, Dave, you're all getting on the air. It's 11.30. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime <laughs> Open line This is the Terry Overtime Open Life.
0: Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Parenic Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chan. Knocked out of the zone
1: by Ricard Raquel and that draws a cheer from the Honda Centre Faithful. Broken stick on the ice and impetus takes advantage. Steal by Drysaddle, right circle, centering pass, back to Drysaddle for an open net, shoots, it scores! Edmonton takes a 1-0 lead, and it all started with a broken piece of lumber. The Oilers capitalized, Drysaddle has scored in all three games against the Ducks this year, and Edmonton has the all-important first goal.
2: And that would turn out to be the game winner. Drysidle's 18th from McDavid at 5:33 of the second period. Drysidle would score the final goal of the game as well. The Oilers beat the Ducks four nothing. Kind of a funny play. You heard Jack describing it as Raquel without a stick, soccering it out of the zone. He kicked it. They kind of just got it to the blue line. A pass deflected off the stick. The Ducks couldn't control it. McDavid counterattacks. Passes up what we thought was going to be a shot from a great position. Dryslidl actually fanned, partially fanned on the one timer attempt, kept it alive off his skate, and then flipped in the second opportunity. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. 7804960063. We have Trevor on the line. Hi, Trevor.
10: Hey, guys. Uh, first off, uh, Reed, Rob, great show. Thank you. Uh, just a couple comments. Uh, earlier, uh, one of the callers mentioned about Slapashev. Super impressed with him. Uh, came out of nowhere. I think a uh, second round pick three years ago. Uh, Just double checking
2: the girl. exact spot yeah, he went.
10: Second, oh, so we gave up a second rounder, for two, or maybe it was third round, for two third rounders. But anyway, came out of nowhere, loved the guy. blew me away tonight and all season has been he skates fast he's got a decent shot and he hits uh, hits everything that uh, comes near him Uh, second uh, center what do you guys think for I mean Kajula I love him but 23 years old going to the playoffs any chance orders get right-handed center I'm sure
3: well, I'm sure that the Oilers, as well as a number of teams, especially with the, it being so close right now, will be looking at ways to upgrade their team come playoff time. And I, I, as Reed and I talk a lot off the air. We think that Kajula has got really nice potential, and, and he's done a nice job this year. But if there's an opportunity for Peter Shirelli to pick up a rental at a good cost to the team, I'm sure he will do that centers, you can never have enough centermen, because if a center goes down, you need them to fill it, and if you have to throw them on the wing, it's easy to be for a centerman to move to the wing. So a centerman or, or some extra defensive help for a little more depth, those are things that Peter Shrelly will be looking at, and it's stuff that we'll be talking about, I'm sure, a lot the last couple of weeks of February, when it looks like the Oilers for the first time in a long time are going to be buyers because it it's usually a depressing time for Reid and I, the two weeks leading up to the draft, because all the phone calls are about who we're going to get rid of, who we're going to trade, why is this guy still here. We're actually looking at building onto the team this year because... I mean, Hansel would be great. Uh, that's the guy. To me, the, the no, two players... has some injury issues, sure, Yeah, but. But, well, but that's why he's going to be available, and he's not re-signed by Phoenix. The two big ones to me are, are both in Phoenix, Verbata and Hansel. Verbata can still score and this Oiler it's not gonna team not
2: going to help its face off
3: no no no. he's going to help on your wing and score because sure. I think the Oilers are still lacking depth on the wings I mean uh, Slepashev who's played well is on your third line and if you can put a verbata there if you can get a verbata to move up somewhere in your lineup if you have injuries because the Oilers don't have a lot of depth when it comes to scoring wingers. Verbatta is a pure scorer, and I think he will be very sought after at the deadline.
2: I just wanted I couldn't remember who, uh, who went higher, Yakimov or Slepeshev. They're both third-round picks. Uh, Bogdan Yakimov was taken by the Oilers 83rd. Slepeshev was taken 88th, and that was in 2013. Oilers win 4 nothing over the Ducks
10: tonight. We have Pete on the line. Hi, Pete. Hi. I'm talking about the the expansion draft coming up. I was reading the paper a while back, and they said that Nugent Hopkins and Everly were naturals to be protected. Yep. And I'm thinking that you know, since Maroon is doing so well, and they need a whole bunch of cash to sign Drysital, I just wanted to get your ideas on who would be protected and, and who would actually be out there.
2: You, well, you absolutely protect Nugent Hopkins and Everly, absolutely. Because really, if, oh
10: yeah. Well, why, why, why well, Maroon? Why, Why would, would you
2: give? Why would you let a team potentially take Nugent Hopkins and Everly and get nothing in return?
10: Well, I, well the, the way I, I, the way they were talking, it made it sound like Maroon would be left off. No, Maroon. No, would Maroon
3: be protected. Will be, Maroon will be protected. Pitlick well, who, might be unprotected. Oh, uh, so who, who do you think would be uh, protected? So what is it? Five? Was it five, three, and one? as it go? No, they can go seven,
2: three, and one. So, so they'll protect t- Talbot. You have to protect Talbot, Lucic, and Sekra because they have no movement. Yeah, but clauses. if you
3: go if you go a position while you protect Talbot, then you go defense defenseman. It'll be Larson, Clefbaum, and Sekra. Yeah. There's your defenseman. Right. And then up front it will be Leon. Uh, well, here I'll go down this list right here. So you got Eberly, Maroon, Lucic, Leon. There's four. Then you get to... Well, then you can... Brian Nugent Hopkins is five, and then you got two freebies, whoever you want to protect in your lineup. Uh, I think we're missing somebody. Did you say Maroon? Yep. Okay.
2: So maybe they'll re-sign Cassian and protect him. Letestu might be protected. So, yeah, so... I feel like we're missing somebody.
3: So, I mean, there's there's not an issue when it comes to protecting players. The, The most thought player that would be taken... Has been has been Brandon Davidson. That's the player that oh, yeah? the Oilers yeah. fear they're going to lose. So there won't be Maroon. Well, Maroon's going to be an oiler for for quite a long time. He'll get a new pay raise here with the Edmonton Oilers, and he he does not want to go anywhere else. He likes where he is right now on the left side with Connor McDavid. Yeah, but so, there
11: is... so you, you do think we we, we can keep both uh, both the Ever Everly and, and Oh,
3: absolutely. Now great. in in the future, I mean, when contracts start coming up. They will have to shed some salary somewhere, but you are not going to shed salary by letting a, a Nugent Hopkins or an Eberle or someone go for nothing.
10: No, the, the, uh,
3: they sorry. will
2: absolutely be protected.
10: Dry Seidel's an RFA this year, isn't he? Yes, he is. All right. That'll be a
3: nice amount of cash there, eh? <laughs> He'll be able to buy dinner for, for the guys <laughs> after that one, yes, and he can pick a nice restaurant.
10: Pete,
2: thanks a lot for calling. Let's go back to Anaheim and hear from Dry Seidel, who scored twice tonight. After
4: maybe
8: a little bit of a rough start in the first period, yeah, he's, he's uh, unbelievable again for us. Um, you know, he gives us a chance to win every night, and um, you know you you can't really ask for much from a goaltender. And uh, even in the third, you know, thought um, we played a good game, but I, I, I still think that we we gave up gave up a little too much. And um, he was there for us, and it's been like that the, the whole season. So um, we're, we're very very happy to have him back there. What's
4: clicking for you right now? You're on a little bit of a hot streak.
8: I think our whole line is, has been playing really good. Uh, you know, obviously you, um, you you can't in this league, you, you won't score three goals uh, every night uh, as a line. But uh, even even though we haven't been scoring as much lately, um, I think we've been playing really good and we've been creating. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun playing with those two guys. How important are the two points tonight to show your team solidifying race here? Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, standings are tight. Uh, teams are trying to make the playoffs. Um you know we're, we're very tight with the other two two teams up there, and um, you know every every point we can get is, is huge for us, and uh, you know to, to beat them uh, in, in in their uh, rink is, is really big for us.
5: This uh,
2: stretch you've had. All right, that's Leon Dreisaitl, who in 10 career games against Anaheim has six goals and three assists. So he likes playing the Ducks. He gets two tonight, including the game winner. Oh, if he could have just got one more, could have had the Japanese Village goal light, I was hopeful they might get the fifth. That's uh, the situation when they score five or more in a game. You can go to the Oilers page on 630chett.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, one of their three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side and north side. Uh, a quick question about Drysaddle, Rob. Would, In your mind,
10: mm-hmm.
2: would you say he is further ahead than where you thought he would be at this point of the season. No, because he is—he is for me. I, uh, I thought he could get to this point. I didn't think he'd be this good already.
3: No, I mean I—I've been the biggest Drysaitel fan since last year's training camp. I was shocked last year and disappointed when he was sent down. Uh, at the beginning, his upside is so big. He's a big, strong player. He can—he can skate well. His vision is—is is, is second only to 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 Connor McDavid and it's not far behind when it comes to vision. He passes as good as anyone in the league and and he's playing with a player that's going to give him opportunities. And that's why I've said right from day one, he is the best right winger for Connor McDavid. He is the best right winger on this team. And the fact that he can take faceoffs, that's cool. But you put him Great. where he belongs and he belongs with Connor McDavid and they have been sensational. Since they they were put together as a line about a month ago, should
2: just follow up on the faceoff story I mentioned before the game because the Ducks are number one in the league, the Oilers last, and Anaheim did have a thirty-one twenty-four advantage in the faceoff circle tonight. The best Oiler was Mark Letestu, who went seven for ten this evening. Doesn't matter. The Oilers win it four nothing. We have Rob on the line. Hi, Rob. Thanks for calling.
10: Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing well. Right on. Hey, uh, I'm right with you, by the way. Uh, I thought Dreisaitl, uh is way beyond I thought where he was going to be. I, I'm surprised. Like <laughs> the Rob must have saw something we never did because I, I mean, I thought he was going to be okay, but and good, very good, but not like this fast, which is blowing me away. But anyway, my call is really about. Uh, I just want to give you guys some big kudos, and I'll I'll tell you why because. You know i've been listening to you guys show for a lot of years and we went through i mean hellacious years haven't made the playoffs um and you know i've been listening to the show and it's got to be so disheartening i mean i just remember so many times uh just everybody was so upset and calling in and it was just so depressing um almost unbearable to listen to and actually i stopped listening uh and i'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening right now that felt the same way because it was just so bad like and we never saw the light at the end of the tunnel and i just want to say thank you guys um for sticking in there and and doing your best and and always you know giving everything you got to at least uh support our our team and uh i don't know and i i just see a much better future. It's way it's so exciting right now to be an Order fan and I really do see a big movement and uh thanks to thanks to Shirelli, I think it's a big thing. I can go on about that. I I, but anyway, there's a lot of things he's done and 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 the team. I just uh anyway, I just wanna give you guys though a big, big kudos for uh for helping us fans stick through the bad times. And that's Really, all
3: got to say. Thanks very much. Right. Well, I mean, if, if, Thanks, if we're saying I mean, we I should we should thank our therapist that we go we were seeing after the games there for a little bit of a stretch. But I, I mean, it, it, it was it was a tough couple of years. Like, it, there, there was a lot of days we were coming to the rink and it's like, or to the rink or coming to the station. Like, ooh, it's gonna be a long one tonight. Like,
2: you, like there were games where you thought, like, you you all, a team always has a chance to win, but you knew it was okay. There's like a one in ten chance they'll win a game.
3: <laughs> uh, and It wasn't one in ten some nights. And, and it's funny. Some you start looking at the we we talk about the acquisitions or where where the Oilers are where they are now. But, I mean, one of the best acquisitions was 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 the Peter Shirelli acquisition. He came in and turned this team upside down. And the number of players that he moved out, and some of them had pretty good contracts, or he he put in the minors, and the players that he brought in, uh, you you can't say enough, he had a, a vision. And I believe what you're seeing now most nights is what his vision was, a big, strong team that's got opportunistic goal scoring, strong goaltending, and plays with some edge and that's how you compete, and that's how you win in the Western Conference, and the Oilers have done that this year.
2: That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. All right, Sava, you're up next on the phone lines. We have other guys as well. You are all getting in. we got to call a quick timeout, though. It's 11.47, Oilers 4, Anaheim nothing. It's Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perrannes Team Broadcast Center. Uh, How's it going? It's 11.52. It's overtime open line on 6.30 Ched. The Edmonton Oilers have won again. They have won again. It's been pretty amazing lately. They're 7-0-1. Pardon me, 6-0-1 in their last seven. And they have won in Anaheim, 4-0. The last time they had a shutout win in Anaheim was December second, two 2007. The goaltender was Matthew Garon, who made 25 saves the goal scorers were Torres, Penner, Pitkin, and Gilbert.
3: Huh. It's been That's well. what I'm looking up all night, Rob Brown. I was wondering what you're doing over there. Well, I was watching oh, the dream. game, taking notes for you, running to get you your drink between <laughs> periods, all those things. We have Sava on line six. Hi Sava. Hey, how's
12: it going, guys? Doing well. Um very good, very good. Um, I just gotta say, I'm sure many other Oilers fans feel the same way, but uh, it's just great to be an Oiler fan right now. This is actually the first time since I've been living down here in SoCal that I've gone to a game that the Oilers have actually won, and it feels really, good. <laughs> really, really good. Um, Talbot, ridiculous. That second save, I closed my eyes when I saw the open net from the angle where I was sitting at. I'm like, oh, my God, here's goal. But somehow he saved it, we got to go home and watch the replays for that. And just final little comment. Every time I watch hockey games, I always see that one person that put right by the glass and banging on the glass. And I'm like, why the heck are you banging on the glass? You look like an idiot. <laughs> well, anyways, at the end of the third period, half the you know, uh, uh, the audience left, the Ducks fans left, and me and my buddy, we snuck down. And what do you know? I, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know what it is. I wasn't drunk or anything, but I'm like, I want to bang on the glass. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Oh, uh, that's that. It's just great being an Oilers fan. I love listening to you guys. Uh, you guys are great. Um, yeah. Uh, that's about it.
2: All right. Yeah, well, we, we appreciate it. Glad <laughs> uh, you got to go to the game. Were there a lot of empty seats in the lower bowl? It looked like it on TV.
12: Yeah. And actually, this is a, uh, there were quite a few. My one buddy, he actually went down to the uh, right by the glass in the first period, but uh, I stayed up a little higher because you can actually see the game. But there were a lot more Oilers fans in the. Um, I don't think many of them were, normally I see like a lot of Oilers fans when there's like a uh, sponsored trip or something that you guys do for Edmonton come down,
2: Yeah, but every,
12: it was just like, no, nah, I think the Oiler fans are kind of creeping out of the woodwork. Oh, and Lucci signed my jersey, awesome, so I got to leave work early and drive up, oh, it was just a great day.
2: Awesome, yeah. that sounds good. Where, do you live in Anaheim or how close by to the rink?
12: No, no I'm in San Diego, so I, oh. it took me like two and a half hours because of traffic and all that stuff. So it's normally an hour and a half ish with no traffic, but at four o'clock, Southern California, forget about it.
3: Yeah, for but sure. But I
12: was sitting in the car listening to the free game. Um, you
3: were yeah. si- sitting in a car in California. You win one nothing. You. <laughs> <laughs>
12: uh, it, it is. It does. But you know what? I gotta say one thing that does uh, really irks me. Living in San Diego, an hour and a half away. The games get blacked out whenever I want to watch the Oilers play the Ducks or the Kings. Really? I have to go to a bar. Yeah, it's apparently the region, you know, the SoCal region. And I don't have cable, but I have the NHL package. I'm like, I want to watch my Oilers game. But for the uh, Ducks and Kings, I have to go to a bar or someplace like that to watch the games, which
2: That sucks, man. I figure an
12: hour and a half away would be. uh,
2: Yeah, that is weird. Good to hear yeah, from you, man. Thanks so, for thanks for calling. Oh,
12: good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you guys could talk to someone about that hour and a half the distance where like the so the games aren't uh, blacked out, i would really appreciate
2: <laughs> I'll it. i what, I'll
3: we'll call we'll, Gary yeah, first thing in the morning. We'll get bets on the all phone.
2: Right. <laughs> all <laughs> right, that, Salva uh, checking in tonight. Good to hear from him. I didn't. Uh, he's called before. I didn't even realize he was in California. Is he, has he told us that before? And I forgot. I, I, don't, I don't know. know I, I remember.
3: If, I, I was the one that had the concussion the study the MC... done. I don't remember.
2: Right. All right. 4 nothing, the Oilers win. Jay on line 7. Hi, Jay.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call.
9: Just a quick comment and a question for you guys, and then I'll get off and just listen to your answer. Uh, I still hear a lot of comments, mainly from media more so than fans, about the hall Larson trade being a lopsided trade. And I've always been a fan of that trade. I thought Larson was the type of player we needed, and as much just to move all the other defensemen down. Um, what I'd like to ask you guys is if you were made GM for a day, would you even consider trading Adam Larson for Trailer Hall straight up right now based on how the team's doing and what the team looks like? Thanks, and I'll uh, listen for your answer after.
3: Well, that's a great question. It is a great question. I, I mean, the, the, answer, the obvious answer is no. You, you just can't. You see where the Oilers are in the standings. You see the success they're having. The biggest detriment that the Oilers had in their game before their biggest negative was their defensive play they, they were the Oilers were just a, a bad defensive hockey team for a number of years there'd be some exciting nights where they you know they throw five up on the board but then there'd be night after night where they're giving up three goals four goals three goals they went through you know 15 goaltenders and some pretty good goaltenders came and left here and because they just the defensive play of the Oilers was terrible and they went out and they said, we need a stud defenseman. We need a guy that's going to play 23, 24 minutes. We can put out there and feel safe when he's on the ice. He can settle things down. And I knew nothing about Larson really when they traded for him. I knew that we traded a guy who's in the top two or three best left wingers or had been in the NHL. For for me, was an unknown. It was a big uh, defenseman that... You don't think of what you you don't think gnarly, or You don't think nasty. And then you start watching him play, and you're like, he's got a little bit of dirt in his game. So to me, no, I it, because we can see 2020 now. We can see well, what happens. We, know. we now yeah. know. Yeah, no, I this this trade has worked out very well and, for the Edmonton Oilers.
2: And the Oilers still could use more scoring on the absolutely. Clean, they could. There's, there's no doubt about that. But I I think he made a good point. We're now the defensemen are slotted more appropriately. Mm-hmm. And you you made a good point. Everybody's talking about, well, should the Oilers try to get Kevin Shattenkirk? Rob made a great point to me during the game and I double checked. Shattenkirk has the same number of points as a defenseman by the name of Justin Schultz. Mhm. How good would Justin Schultz look on this team as the fifth defenseman?
3: Yeah, I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins took him and put him in a place where he belonged. They put him as their third pairing defenseman. They gave him softer minutes, let him play on their second power play unit, and he's thrived. He now has a Stanley Cup. He's got a new contract. He's leading them. I believe he's leading them in defensive scoring because Latang. I don't think Latang has 30 yet, or I'm not sure, but I think he's leading them in scoring. Uh, I think he's in the top five, Justin Schultz, for defenseman scoring. It, he was put in the wrong slot. When he was with the Oilers, the expectations were too high. He was playing against the wrong players. It killed his confidence. And he's not made to play against the Gatsloffs and the Perrys and the Sidines.
2: Here's the thing. Matthew Benning is in the slot where Justin Schultz should have been.
3: Mm -hmm. Absolutely is. I mean, Justin Schultz. and, and, And it wasn't Justin's fault. And it wasn't completely the coach's fault. They just had nobody better. The Oilers are, are, are much, they're a much deeper, stronger team now. That I mean, you watch the game. It, it's a completely different team you're watching night after night now than we did even midway through last season.
2: All right, people are going to laugh at me, but i got to give credit. I just got a text from my mom.
3: <laughs> who has, I'm going to laugh who, at who you. Who, <laughs> has,
2: who, has, who has pointed out correctly that the Oilers are the highest scoring team in the Pacific Division with 148 goals for.
3: Well, it's, you know what? We, we we should have a stat girl. She could be our stat girl. Anytime we need to know a stat, we'll just get her on the, the stat phone. And
2: she could make pierogies.
3: Oh, you know what? If she's listening right now... Oh, if she's we listening, could, trust we, me. We could really use a snack on some of these games late at night. Uh, the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard reads like this. The
2: Canucks beat the Avalanche 3-2. Maple Leafs beat the Red Wings 4-0. The Flyers... Win in New York, two nothing. All the road teams win tonight. We have to break for the
0: midnight news. So if this you're on, is overtime. Open line. Brought to the, you by the Canadian, brew Canadian Brew House. Overtime. From the Terry Rick Wilkins Center. on Oilers Radio, 6:30 chan.
2: Well, good morning, Dry Saito with two, Nugent Hopkins and Cassian with one each. Talbot, 26 stops, his fourth shutout of the season. Oilers win in Anaheim, four nothing. The Ducks' 11-game point streak against the Oilers' ends. They were 9-0-2 in their previous 11 meetings. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You're going to hear from Cam Talbot in a couple of minutes. But first, we have Dustin on the line. Hello, Dustin.
9: Hey, how's it going? Doing well. So, uh, I called in a couple years ago, like, about a month before Aikens got fired. I don't know if you remember, but I, like, lost my mind. I had a tirade against the management and I can't believe how much the team has changed with just Shirelli and Nicholson and Todd McClone, like professionals. And I, I'd always thought the years we'd always get these first round draft picks, we could maybe be like a Chicago or a Pittsburgh and it could have never came true without the proper backbone of an organization which is not Matt matter And it's finally actually happening, and of course McDavid helps. But um, I just wanted to say one thing: your callers have mentioned, and you guys have too, <clears throat> the depth in the organization and the size. I think that has increased the team's health. Because I play sports, and I'm sure a lot of other people do. But when you're you're not in your your top physical shape, it can easily you're stretching out too far, and you're gonna you're gonna strain yourself, get hurt. But with this depth and the large bodies, we're we're making it so it's it's damn near a healthy team. Sure, injuries come and go, but <clears throat> I'm I'm loving it. This is the Oilers team we want. But uh, I just want to ask you guys. I've heard some rumors, not rumors, but some good on the. Uh, expansion draft would it would it make sense your caller a couple calls ago mentioned clearing up some cap space for when dry and and uh, mcdavid need to get paid a bit more would it make sense to maybe trade somebody like everlay before and uh, clear up that cap space maybe get a little more depth
2: well, yes, but I, I still don't think they have to do it before the expansion draft necessarily. I, I mean, I still think you could protect Everly and or Nugent Hopkins and then still trade them in the summer. I mean, Dreisaitl's not going to walk, right? And if someone signs them to an offer sheet, which is unlikely, the Oilers match it. So, I mean, that it it didn't, it doesn't... I don't, I don't think... The way I look at it, Dustin, Rob, you can correct me if you think I'm... or you can disagree with me if you want, but I, I don't think it has to all happen... By June, whatever the expansion, June twenty-fifth or whatever the expansion draft is. I mean, I think you can protect them, and see what else is happening with free agency and in the summer, and, and then and then possibly make a move. I, but I mean, you're right. Cap-wise, it's very possible. Even if they finish the season well, it's very possible that Nugent Hopkins or Everly might have to go, because you got two young cornerstone guys that you absolutely are going to have to pay.
3: Well, the the Oilers, the expansion draft. The Oilers don't have to do anything because of the expansion draft. The Oilers are set up fine for the expansion draft. They might, though. They don't have to. No, they no, 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 the, no. But they don't have to. So they they have the luxury of, of doing what they want. There's going to be other teams around the league that may have to do things because of the expansion draft, because of the, the, the protection. But the Oilers... So the Oilers can sit back and wait and see if someone else has a problem. Because the Oilers do not have a problem unless... Yeah, they don't. I mean, unless they make some sort of deal before the the deadline. But as as of right now, the Oilers are set up perfectly for the for the expansion draft. They can protect the players that they need to protect.
9: I I agree. Going forward, we're just talking about tweaking here and there. It's not like years past where you're looking at six or eight players you want to dump. Well, and uh, you know it's looking good. I think
2: that's a great point, Dustin. And I know during the Aikens years. You know, I don't know if a caller asked or Rob and I just started talking about it. And Rob and I, I think the number we came up with was between ten, as you know, probably at least ten, and as many as fourteen players needed to be changed just to be a possibly a playoff team. And then I think last year we were probably were we down to five or six to be a playoff team. I think now we're down to four or five to be like a legitimate top four team in the whole league. You know, like they could still, you can always use more experience. D, they could use some scoring depth, and they could still use a backup goalie. Now, do I think those are going to get solved by the deadline? I don't. But if those things get solved, plus the added experience that Nurse, Dreisaitl, Larson, McDavid, and a couple other young guys are going to get over the next uh, six to 24 months, you know, then it sounds really exciting, Right.
9: Yeah, just one other thing. Um, I'm glad Laurent Perssois, he came in for that game. Huge bounce back from his uh, debut, of, I think it was last year, where it didn't go quite well.
2: He had a few now tough game games last year. And it, it was yeah. awesome. Good that stuff, was, Dustin. Good performance. Thank you, guys. Have good, a good-, good to hear from you. Sorry for cutting you off. Thanks for calling. We also have Carmine on the line. Oilers have beaten the Ducks 4 nothing. Carmine, go ahead.
11: Yeah, what a great team, eh? Um, The funny story is I moved here in 2006 and all saw the Oilers' uh, flags in the windows and figured, oh, there's a team to support. Supported them ever since, and here we are, waited 10 years. So Mm -hmm. I'm not a lifetime supporter, but I've certainly done my 10 years. So I think Chiarelli is the best third-round pick we've given up for, and there's no (laughs) doubt. Uh, His his last move was genius. Interesting numbers, though, Talbot. Has got the most saves at 1185 and the most shots against at 1289. So, I mean, there's all sorts of numbers. you might not have the save percentage, but he's dialing it in. But here's a four because I was thinking about the expansion draft. All right. So Oilers are eighth in the league on goals per game, uh, fifth in the league on shots per game, ninth in the league on goal differential, ninth on plus minus. They're clearly lacking in special teams. And and you know, there's there's a place where they've got organization and and they are improving. And so I looked at, well, there's two, there's two approaches to the expansion. One is the 7 three, one that you discussed, or the other one is eight players in any position and one. Yeah. And this is what I wanted to pose to you as a question. When you look at that, if you go down the 7-3-1 uh, the route, then yes, you're forced to look at Sekera, Clefbaum, and Larson. And then, you know, you can keep your, your role players. And, and that obviously builds up your special teams. But if you go down the 8-1, then you've got Eberly, uh, Lucic, Nugent, uh, Nugent. Zekra Bomb last, and that gives you the option to take, protect Davidson and keep your, you know, one of your other players. But bear in mind that Hendricks is coming up to a UFA and Castian's also coming up to an RFA as well. So I don't know how the UFA RFAs impact in terms like if the, if Las, uh, Las Vegas takes them on, uh, you know, are they taking on a rental player themselves in the expansion? And what do you think about that play? Do you care more about the role players, or do you care more about Davidson well,
2: him? Yeah. Well, well, Las Vegas would take on the contract, right? So, if they, they, I mean, well, the expansion draft. I, I you know what? I forgot to look, the date is what June 25th. Well, June 17th. So Sorry, now June 17th. Right well. then, the actual draft is the next week. So, yep. if you took a guy who was a UFA, he still becomes a UFA July 1st, right? Right. So they're not going to protect Hendricks. Plus, I mean, we know Hendricks works hard. He's also 35, though, and Jujar right. Kara's
3: pushing. Um, I st- I still have Davidson not protected. If we go eight, well, no, because if you got Ebs, Lucic, Nuge,
11: uh, Sekra, Cleftbaum, Larson, Davidson, that. Well, what about Dreisaitl? Well, he's entry level. Do
3: you have to protect. No, it,
2: it's two years or less. It's two years or less experience. You
3: have to protect Leon. Okay, so, you Leon so Leon
11: goes in your four forwards, and you're leaving Maroon, Pitlick, and Cassie. Yeah,
3: so no, I, really. I'd rather have Maroon than you I would protect Davidson. Davidson. Davidson's going to be a number six defenseman here. Maroon's on your first line.
2: And I hear, here's the thing, Carmine. If if Nurse is healthy right now, Davidson's probably a scratch.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, he would be for sure. Yeah.
2: So, well, uh, then. <laughs> so it's a good problem to have, right? But you, oh, Yeah, first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you uh, move to Edmonton from?
11: Well, I was originally in Winnipeg, but they didn't like in Winnipeg. They didn't have an NHL team at, at that the time.
2: time, right? Yeah. So
11: I moved in, and I I got to. I mean. I didn't I grew up in England and so I got to discover hockey when I came over here and I love it I love the game off the game I love the game off the
3: park well it's funny when you said similarities Reid just asked you where you came from you said Winnipeg well that is it what part of Winnipeg is that it must be a northern part of Winnipeg (laughs) Winnipeg where they have that (laughs) British accent
11: (laughs) (laughs) no originally England so you know I, I, I got to realize I can't skate but I really enjoy watching the game and I really enjoyed sort of persevering and toughing it for 10 years and then suddenly realizing oh my god yeah this is you know some growth team eh?
2: yeah well, yeah, there's finally... I mean, I've always said, Carmine, the, to me, the, the the sin of the last 10 years was not that the Oilers had a couple of bad teams. It's that they had several bad teams and never improved. I mean, six of the last seven years, they finished in the bottom three in the league. 28th, 29th, or 30th. I mean, they didn't even go from 29th to 18th. They just kept finishing bad in the bottom three.
11: Yeah. Well, so, culture change starts with a leadership change, um, credit to the ownership to bring on Nicholson and then Chirelli. Mm. luck with, with uh, obviously Conor oh, is phenomenal. With McDavid yeah. um, but when you think about the structure that came around uh, you know, Chirelli, I, I did my scouting around Larson and I looked on Game Center and I, I checked out, I, I looked at all the games he played against the top seven teams last year in New Jersey mm-hmm. and when I looked at it, it was clear to me like he was an absolute steal of a player Particularly when you look at his cap hit, when you look at his grit. And the only player you beat who beat him last year who made him look silly was Crosby. Well, I mean, that's saying it mean, was the yeah. only player that he actually struggled <laughs> against. All the other players, and even if you account for Andy Green, like, you know, Andy Green, he was got on a good pairing, but he's on a pretty good pairing right now.
2: Well, here's the beauty about Lauren. And again, the trade's going to be debated. And I, I, I'm going to say the rest of my career, Taylor Hall's an excellent left winger. Yep. The beauty of oh, yeah. Larson is he just turned 24 in November. He's already played 323 games. When his contract runs out, when he's 28, I think, the Oilers are going to have a 28-year-old defenseman who's played six to 700 games and still could be reaching the peak of his career. That's pretty enticing.
11: And a player who came through the New Jersey defensive system, because that's the other thing. Because I remember when they turned down Larson, At the draft time. And I thought, oh, you know, but in hindsight, it was the best thing for Larson because he never would have thrived here under that culture of the time. No, you're absolutely right. He went through a really good defensive system. Mm -hmm. And now he's showing up and he's like perfectly primed. But it was looking at those games last year, it was clear to me he was on the up. They signed him on the five years. And it was like, oh, okay, there you go.
2: Well, there's a couple guys. If you look at Talbot and Larson, that their previous teams are might be maybe not publicly but secretly wishing they had right now.
11: Oh, well, the, the fan base in New Jersey after the trade, they were really clear. Oh, we've won the trade, but we're going to miss Larson.
3: Yeah, you're right. Well, the the problem with uh, when we saw New Jersey, they just they're they're hurting on the back end now. They need a yeah. Larson. Yeah. It, it's hard to find a defenseman that can do what he does at that age and he's been he's been everything that Peter Shreley promised he would be and more. And it, it's the trade has turned out where, very, very well for the Edmonton Oilers. You know, it's interesting too.
2: And look, the, the, Shirley's not perfect. I think the Reinhardt thing's going to be debated. We'll see how the Lucic signing plays out. All oh, oh, fair enough, but he clearly had a plan. Mm-hmm. Summer one, okay. Like you mentioned, he had the gift from the gods of McDavid of winning the lottery. Okay, you need a goaltender. Need a goaltender. He believed in Cam Talbot, and then he throughout last season he added a little bit of size. You know, with Cassie and a little bit of guys that were meaner, Maroon, and then I think this past summer, the option or the thing that he wanted to do was was defensive defenseman, Larson and Russell, yeah. And then and now I think the next step is an offensive defenseman, which is probably the hardest thing in the NHL to acquire, other than that, an elite. Big
11: that Damon lines up player. with their needs for special teams, though. That's the whole thing. They have to beef up their special teams if they're truly going to elevate into the top four. So that makes complete sense. But what Chris Russell proved to me is that Churelli is using more than just the Corsi rating system to judge his players. Oh, That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah they- you look at Chris Russell, he takes a shot. He blocks the shot like he did tonight, stays on for 26 seconds and then goes off. So in the middle of pain, he's ultra professional, responsible, and he's the, got the most shot blocks in the, in, in, the league. So that just proves to me that, yeah, Cirelli has made some mistakes in his time. And, you know, there's a couple of trades that are going to be hung over him but he is the majority of his trades wins. And Chris is a perfect example of that.
3: Well, and in the the Oilers' record this year is an example of, of the oh. success with his trades, too. I mean, the, the Oilers are a very good hockey club right now. And it's, oh, they're great fun. Yeah, it is. It was, it was nice hey, talking man. to you. I'm, I'm going to go home. And st- I'm going to talk the rest of the night with a British accent now. It just sounds so cool <laughs> on the radio.
11: Thanks for calling, man. <laughs> awesome, gents. Great work. Thanks very much.
3: <laughs> All right. That's Carmine, 7804960063. It's
2: 1220. Cam Talbot got the shutout tonight. You'll hear from him when we get live back, it's from, the Team from the Terry Paradisheen Broadcast
0: Center. This is Overtime Open Line. brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
2: 50 games into the season, the Oilers are 27-15-8. They beat Anaheim 4-0
12: tonight. Cam Talbot gets the shutout.
4: Settle them down. How were you feeling at the start of the game? Because you had to make some pretty big saves.
12: Uh, I mean, when you make those saves at the beginning of the game, it's... uh confidence booster moving forward and they say the guys kind of build off that and uh, we're able to, to find our game legs after that and a tough building to play against a tough tough opponent so uh, give the guys a lot of credit for uh, sticking with it and plotting some big goals tonight and then closing it out. What can you say about
4: how the team did close it out, not only getting that third goal late in the second period, but then scoring another insurance goal early on in the third? That shows maybe a killer instinct.
8: Yeah, we talked about
12: that between periods. I mean, Cass's goal at the end of the second there was unbelievable. to gave us a three-goal lead there, and then another uh, huge goal at the beginning of the f- third by Drat. Um, kind of, don't want to say sealed it, but he's kind of like a killer instinct there. So uh, we just kind of weathered the storm from there. They got some chances down the stretch, but we did a good job of clearing out the rebounds and closing it out.
2: Cam Talbot continues his impressive season. So the Oilers are third in the Pacific. They're a point behind Anaheim. They also have a game in hand on Anaheim. They're two points behind the Sharks, who they will play later today. The Sharks, though, have a game in hand on the Oilers. We have Jim on the line. Jim, thank you for calling.
13: Hi, how how are you tonight? I'm doing well. Good deal. Yeah. I always wanted to mention and call in and mention about Maroon and Cassie, and I've been watching them for quite a few years. And I was really excited when they came to Edmonton. Uh, like a Maroon that starts fighting, and he comes out with a big smile on his face all the time. I never right. seen a man smile so much.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got uh, he's he's got a pretty. Um... Uh, outgoing personality, and you know he he obviously isn't afraid to show emotion. I'm sure you saw the Gene Principe interview he did with his son after he scored in St. Louis before Christmas. And he, he's also, but but he's also, you know, level-headed. He's he's always the first guy to say in an interview whether it's a winning streak or a losing streak. Everybody settle down. We got to keep playing. We have to keep keep working. So I, I think he's added, you know, I, I think he's liked in the dressing room. I think guys rally around him, but I think he's also, his level-headedness and his experience has rubbed off on some of the players as well.
13: I agree with you. Like, now my wife is a fan. She's more entertaining to watch sometimes in the hockey game. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, she probably wasn't very nervous tonight because they were able to take control of it.
13: No, and I talked to her when I left the shop. She was pretty excited. Uh, someone else I wish we would have got was Vermette. I was watch, always watch him when he was with the Coyotes, and I'll tell you, he's always such a dangerous man on the ice. Eh?
2: Yeah, he always seems to make an impact. His face-offs are, are excellent. Um, sorry, I'm just going to double-check his face-offs. Coming into the game, he was at 63.6%, and he went uh, 59% tonight. Uh, somebody yep. asked me the other day if I thought the Oilers might trade for him at the deadline. I don't think the Ducks are going to trade the Oilers anybody at the deadline this year, like they did with Maroon last year. Maybe when right. Vermette's a free agent, maybe that'd be something you could pursue in the summer. Do you know how old he is? Uh, Go ahead, I got to double check. My memory's not as good as Bob Stoffer, but I will quickly type it up. Bob would know off the top of his head. Uh, he is... Jim, Were you, you were working this late tonight?
13: Yeah, I, I, I listen to you guys on the radio all the time. And uh, I listen to the games on the radio. That's something else I'd like to bring up is my hats off to those guys on the radio. They make it
2: so exciting. <laughs> Good. Well, yeah. They Jack and Bob are into it for sure. Vermette's uh, 34. He's going to turn 35 on July 20th. Oh, he's getting up there too. Yeah. Eh? So I mean, if you signed him, here's the thing: if you got Vermette, maybe he's a placeholder, to you know, and allows Kajula to mature for another year before he's the true third line center. Maybe. Right. But you still have Latesto under contract for next year too.
13: Right. Yeah.
2: Still dangerous, yeah, so no, he's, 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 he's one of the like Rob says about guys, you have to figure out, if you're not going to be a star, you have to do something really well, and that can allow you to stick around in the league a long time.
13: Yeah. yeah. Anyways, thanks, guys. I listen to you guys' show all the
2: time, and it's really good. Appreciate it, Jim. Thanks a lot for calling. That's Jim at 780-496-0063. I want to say thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Great to have so much positive energy in in oil country. I know everybody's really enjoying the season, and uh, who knows where it's going to go. I can tell you that it goes to San Jose in the short term, though. And we have the game for you. 7 o'clock for the face-off show. 8.30 for the drop of the puck here on 6.30 Chet. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 7. Before that, I'm going to connect with former NHL defenseman Richard Matvichuk, who's now the coach of the Prince George Cougars. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630chet.com. Overtime Open Line is presented by the Canadian Brew House. We're in the Terry Paranich team broadcast center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. Oilers for Ducks nothing.